Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. We're back finally with the main episode of this this week. I think this is the latest we've ever done a main episode of Cinemaholics. Although I guess at this point, Will Ashton, my co-host, is this does it matter? We're we're here. We're talking about another movie. Do, do people really need to? Do they need a number associated with the episode? Um, I feel like we were pretty late on Rise of Skywalker for similar reasons, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. always happens around the yeah. holidays. Yeah, because that one I remember like I thought it wasn't going to be in the episode because I wasn't going to be able to see it until Christmas. And then you guys just didn't record until then. So I was like, all right, I can join you, I guess, because I've seen the film. So, yeah, um, yeah that was, we just I want remember, you to be a part of yeah. the show. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've seen the film now, so we can discuss it in we can, full. We can discuss it. We can get right yeah. to it. Uh, well, we also we passed a milestone recently. And I, I feel bad that we never oh. addressed it. We hit 250 episodes yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was the week before we did Spider-Man No Way Home. That was episode 251. And I think West Side Story. Yeah, that was that was episode 250. So how about that? 250 episodes of well, Cinemaholics. I think we're getting up to like 500 podcast yeah. releases. I was going to say, I've lost track. What are we at officially <laughs> now at right now? Officially, like in terms of like main episodes, like the yeah, weekly like what's, show. Or? What episode is this that we're listening to right now? This is 252. Okay. So yeah, we're celebrating a little bit late. That's all. But in terms of like episodes of Cinemaholics ever, because we started early 2017, yeah. uh, we're at, we're at like 461, 462. That's a lot so of content. So that includes all the bonuses. Oh man, yeah. we, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of you and yeah. me just shooting just, the breeze. Yeah, shooting the stuff. Yeah. And speaking of which, we're talking about The Matrix Resurrections, finally. It's now on HBO Max and in theaters, uh, playing wide. It's, you know, it's it's making money. I think like seventy million dollars at the box office. That's that's money, right? Like it's, it hasn't even been a week. I guess it has been now. Uh, it's not doing been over a week actually, huh? It's not doing great. I think as of today or yesterday, yeah. Well, it's a hundred ninety million dollar production, and I More think the expensive produ- than any other Matrix movie, which is baffling to me. Yeah, because it does not look it. Um, I know. One of the producers of The Matrix, I don't know if it was Joel Silver. Did he produce this one? I know he produced the original three, but I don't know if he was involved with. I was just looking at the official, like the credited producers. And mm-hmm. you, know, you know how producers are. It could be like an offshoot thing. But I'm seeing right. James McTighe, Lana Wachowski, of course, and Grant Hill. I'm not seeing. OK, because Joel Silver was like the main guy, the main producer behind the original trilogy. And I think he had a falling out with Warner Brothers like a few years back. So I wasn't 100 percent sure if he was involved with this film and I forgot to look it up uh, afterwards or, or look at during the credits. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think we should mention too. Yeah. This is directed by Lana Wachowski and not her sister, Lily Wachowski. They of course worked on such films as the matrix trilogy and Jupiter ascending and cloud Atlas and all that speed racer, speed racer, Found. fantastic movie. You a big fan of speed racer. I'm a big fan of speed racer. Are you not? Oh, I need to rewatch. it. I didn't dislike it. I just remember, I think I wasn't ready for it. I have a very memorable theatrical experience with it. Um, I don't know if, if this is the place to discuss that, or maybe if we do a uh, extra milestone on Speed Racer someday, <laughs> if that's the day we discuss yeah. it. It could go down. I mean, I, I, I hear, I remember seeing Speed Racer at a second run theater with my best friend. Uh, you'll meet him at the wedding. And uh, he's my best man. And we saw Speed Racer together. And he and I, we remember walk, I remember we walked out of the movie and we were just like, good movie. Just like, totally satisfying in every level but i remember seeing like the critics were turning their noses at speed racer and for the years since because i was what 2008 i remember yeah. in the years after that i remember we always go back to that movie and be like man how come people just did not click with speed racer but i remember it started to like build that same that kind of fan appreciation we weren't following. the only ones yeah, yeah cold following yeah. people were like no this movie's actually pretty good mm-hmm. it's just you know it wasn't everybody's cup of tea when it first came out that's fine yeah well it just visually so inventive that like i feel like when i saw him like i don't know if i quite groove with what it's doing but like i could tell like it's doing something that i haven't really seen a live action film before and that makes sense because like the wachowskis like they i don't think they get enough credit for how much they invent i mean with the the first matrix films they do i think they get pretty ample credit for that but like you know just throughout their careers they've been pretty formative and you know pretty willing to like kind of push the boundaries in so many different ways and i i think uh you know, they I, I think people don't really respect their later films as much because they just haven't reached the same cultural high. But, you know, they're they're doing a lot of impressive stuff throughout their careers, for sure. Yeah, they have a somewhat similar career trajectory as someone like M. Night Shyamalan to some extent. 
you know, where they're just, you know, their movies just sort of start to peter out after a while. But at least in terms of like people who really click with them. But like, you know, one thing from Speed Racer that I see a lot in like that first Matrix is and Reloaded in Revolutions, too, is like they just are so creative when it comes to the construction of a scene. You know, there's always well, add that extra pieces. spice and creativity. Yeah, the set pieces, yeah. the spectacles. Like, there's a reason they stick in your brain. Like that opening scene in Speed Race are one of my favorite like opening sequences of like any movie of that era, like the late 2000s, and where he's racing, and we f- we find out that he's really racing his brother, and it's just like such a fantastic reveal. The way that it's constructed, and it just blasts you right into this world immediately. And I think The Matrix does the same thing that first movie where. We start with Trinity. We start with like, man, this is like nothing you've ever seen before. This is like taking the John Woo kind of action, you know, gunfighting sort of thing, but then like kicking it up an extra notch and adding this incredibly deep, you know, hey, what if we made a movie about the internet that didn't suck, which people don't remember in the 90s. That was a very novel thing. Uh, This idea of like simulation and virtual reality and everything being captured in a film intelligently. Man, that... We, we, we got to give the movie credit. And you're a fan of The Matrix? Is oh, that the case? Sure. The first, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first movie, I was telling this to a friend of mine. It's like the type of film you watch at 13 and you're like, man, this is awesome. And yeah. you watch it at like 27 or whatever and you're like still like, man, this is awesome. But I also can yeah, like yeah. appreciate it on a thematic level more. Like you, you like, you know, like it's the type of film where it doesn't lose its cool factor, but like it's so smartly constructed. There's so so much to appreciate, but it's also very accessible. And, you know, like it, it it's obviously very forward thinking, but at the same time, it, it it's just very just uh it's a very, very enjoyable, visually stunning film. And it's almost a miracle that it works as well as it does. It's just one of those films yeah. that just yeah, it, it's lighting in a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a deceptively simple story structure, you know. There's a lot of complicated stuff in it. I think like it takes a lot to sort of wrap your head around what's happening in the Matrix. The idea that there, you know, that there is the simulation and nothing is real, but it's all within the Alice in Wonderland story archetype, which is why it's so yeah. successful. It's so like you said, it's approachable because you understand Alice, aka Neo. You understand the idea of a rabbit hole. You understand the idea of like wanting truth you know and freedom Mm -hmm. over you know comfort like that kind of like those themes are really universal but then they add in all the extra like philosophy stuff in that first one that just make it feel even deeper even if it's some people might say it's not as deep as it tries to be or whatever i i I think it kind of is i remember i studied the matrix uh in college for a philosophy course yeah and it was fun i mean we just we watched the movie and like we would go through like the different principles and Mm -hmm. everything and it's just a fun movie to talk about and to dissect whether or not even if you just like it you can get so much analysis and insight from the way it was made and how it sort of changed right. action movies and you know was, was such a big monumental film for the you know gen x in particular because they were really like like gen x and like the older millennials they were really like coming of age around this time yeah and it's a very specific film but you can add uh, a lot of different like uh, thematic ideas to what it's saying and i guess that's also to the film's detriment and as far as its uh, benefit as well, because like, obviously a lot of like men's rights group have like, you co-opted the red pill philosophy. I know a lot of people when the movie came out, they, I I think uh, like fairly spitefully blamed like this movie for like the Columbine shootings. Cause they also had like the trench coats. There's like a lot of like ugliness has been uh, uh, sorely kind of surrounding the film in addition to, you know, being very, uh, a radical and you know meaningful film for a lot of different reasons but i don't yeah. recommend that documentary a glitch in the matrix but i do know i kind of cover some of that stuff and even though i did not like that documentary i you I've, know it is a thing yeah i mean i've i i don't know if i disagree with anything i said or what you said during that episode but i will say i thought about that documentary a decent bit so it stuck with me a little bit um i, I don't know if i'd recommend it but it has it's it, it sunk its teeth in me a little bit so that's something at least Interesting to consider. Now, when it comes to the Matrix sequels, I mean, we're talking about the long-awaited sequels because I know they they both come out the same year and they come out 2003. It's been a few years since since the first Matrix. And I think people were expecting a certain kind of movie at that point. Sure. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I remember I watched Matrix Reloaded primed you know i i watched it the way that it was meant to be watched i i had played the enter the matrix video game i'd already seen scenes from the movie because i had mm. played that game and then i watched the movie 
and I remember really digging it. I watched it when I was like 12 years old and I was like, okay. more Matrix, you know, like I, I was at that age where really just anything set within this world was going to make me pretty happy. Same thing with Revolutions. I was, I've always been into those movies. I don't know if okay. it's because of the age that I came at them, but I remember rewatching the whole trilogy when I was in high school mm. and being like, yeah, holds up. You know, like I, I really like these movies. I still like the first one better, but sure. in terms of what these movies are doing with their set pieces, with their subject matter. It just always felt like a cool movie to me. It always felt big and epic and, and mm-hmm. fascinating. And, you know, I never had a big chip on my shoulder with the sequels. Like I know a lot of other yeah. people do. It's not, you know, I know general consensus is that those mm-hmm. sequels are not successful by and large, but yeah, what do you stand? Uh, I like reloaded. I, um, I rewatched uh, both of them in addition to the original before I saw um, resurrections and I was kind of, you know, because I remember at the time, like before I really heard the consensus on the films, I was kind of like, yes, Reloaded is cool. Resurrection or uh, Revolutions. I was like, eh, I don't quite jive with it. It just doesn't it wasn't really my thing. And I was expecting to either be either for both or against both of rewatch. And I think my opinion more or less remains the same. I really do dig uh, Reloaded. I, I think, like you said, not as good as the original. It's obviously, I, I appreciate that it's not trying to just do the same thing over again. Um, but I, I, I think even though it doesn't quite come together as thematically interesting as, uh, as the original film, I just, I, I think there's a lot of cool set pieces on action level. It's just very visceral and fun. Uh, it just looks great. Um, revolutions. I, I think that middle section still just kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of tune out when there's the Zion battle with the machines. Z- Zion is the big Sorry, thorn, Zion. right? Zion. Yeah. It's the big thorn in this series side. Yeah. As soon as we enter Zion, I think that it, the movies lose this, something. I don't, I don't know. know. I just, you know what yeah. I mean? I just kind of check out the middle section every time. Like I've seen the uh, revolutions like two or three times now. And every time I get to just the middle section, I just kind of tune out for whatever reason. Like I really like the beginning. Uh, I like the end of the film. Just the middle just doesn't really do it for me. So, uh, I but I, yeah, but I, I will say like both sequels uh, even more this time. Uh, I think they hold up decently well overall. Yeah, they're good movies, I think. And I think what I what I like the most about Reloaded, and I think I hold Reloaded and Revolutions equally. To me, they feel like a part one and part two. So I, I don't I don't know if I can really compare them myself. But I know that I'm watching Reloaded the moment when we find out that the idea of the one and it's just completely like stripped away. And once again, Neo has to like question everything, right? Because up until that point, we're like, man, you know, that exciting moment, that cliffhanger at the end, not cliffhanger, but the end of the first one that's so epic and exciting that he's the one, now he can do whatever. But then for them to be like, this is all, you know, this is still, you know, under the control of the machines. And he was just, you know, another version of the one they planned for this. He's a planned anomaly, right? Like that to me, like as a 12 year old, that blew my mind. And to this day, I really appreciate it, that choice, you know? Where the Wachowski sisters just looked at, you know, the success of the first one and be like, you know, we're going to if you want us to make another one for real, then we're just going to take the the piss out of you know that first movie. And arguably, they do that even further with uh, Matrix Resurrections, which we should get well, into here right away. But Lily, yeah, yes. obviously, I mean, we should mention, I think we didn't or I think we did before, but uh, Lily, yeah, so far as I can tell, was not involved with this film at all. Uh, clearly, uh, it yeah. seems to be by choice. I did want to ask real quick, though, because I mentioned that I played Enter the Matrix. I also played the game Path of Neo, a really great game. I played a little bit of The Matrix Online, which was uh, something. Um, did you ever watch, though, the Animatrix? This was the anthology, like, Matrix anime sort of thing, kind of like what they do with things like, you know, like Star Wars Visions, Batman Gotham Knights, stuff like that, where it's just like an anime cacophony uh and some of those episodes like explained actually like the origin of the matrix and uh all that stuff i uh i didn't play any of those video games that you mentioned um i started to watch animatrix because i'd never seen it before i didn't get a chance to finish it but it seemed kind of cool i don't know i it's great stuff it really is, is it i've yeah. heard kind of mixed things over the years about it some people like i know are just like oh this is what the matrix sequel should have been like it's better than those and i've heard some people be like yeah it was, it's not really um essential but you know it's kind of fun and then i've heard some people are kind of negative on it but i'm I'd curious to watch it's in it. the, yeah. i'd say it's in the middle of those you know sure. opinions it, it's certainly not essential it's you know but it is like if you like that first movie it adds so much interesting atmosphere and context particularly to the revolutions too it explains a lot of things you know and it 
it kind of gets to the heart of like how this world came to be. And I think in a very interesting way, uh, funny enough, I remember that, did you ever watch that show uh, code name kids next door? Uh, is that with the little bald kid with the sunglasses? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I seen a couple of, yeah, I've seen a couple episodes of it. They did a parody of the Animatrix at one point where they do like the origin of like the kids next door and like why that happened. And it's really funny, but it, it's, I don't know. I think it only kind of works if you've seen, you know, the Animatrix. So I always thought that was kind of weird. Like I remember watching that and be like, huh, that's a very specific you know, a tribute to a thing that these kids should not be watching because Animatrix is very much like the other Matrix films rated R. And pretty graphic stuff. But anyway, Matrix Resurrection. Thomas? You seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. why you're still fighting and why you will never give up you don't know me no how long has it been now 18 years since uh and maybe a little more than 18 years since the matrix revolutions it's been 22 years um, over 22 years since the first matrix came out and here we are with the rebooted matrix they didn't call it the matrix rebooted you know, I don't think they wanted to be that clever, you know, clever by half. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't like hold it against them, given how uh, on the nose they are and a fun and very yeah, fun ways. I think. Fitting. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think yeah. I actually really like the title of Resurrections. But yeah, go ahead. That's a fitting title as well. And so, as we mentioned, Lana Wachowski is back directing this. Warner Brothers has been trying to get Lana and Lily to make another Matrix for a long time. You can kind of see the dollar signs in their eyes. If you remember Space Jam, a new legacy from earlier this year, there's even like that whole thing where like they're attributing the Matrix and like, you know, theme parking it basically just being like, remember the Matrix? And so this was all kind of inevitable. I always thought it was just like a practical joke that this movie is coming out. Like one of those things where I know we, we've talked about this for several movies where sometimes I really just don't believe a movie exists until it starts. I was like, that was Solo, a Star Wars story, a few others. This okay. one for sure. A Matrix Four, is it just to me? It's it's surreal that it exists. You know what I mean? Sure. And I did not go into this movie wanting to love it. I went into this movie kind of being like, you know what? Mess me up. Do something I'm not expecting, and just do whatever you want, and that's what will make me happy. I don't want a Force Awakens version. You know, a Force Awakens kind of treatment of the Matrix franchise. I want something ridiculous. And what we get here is basically New Nightmare, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. We basically get Gremlins 2, where it's basically Lana Wachowski coming out and being like, I had to make this movie, and I did whatever I wanted uh, to an extent. And here you go. And I remember watching this movie, like, I went into it before any of the reviews came out, right? And so I had no idea what to expect. I remember yeah. walking out of the theater and being like, you know, wiping my hands, being like, you did it. You, you made a movie that messed me up. You made a movie that I cannot, like I, I came out of the movie, you remember, like I could not, I, I didn't know what to make of it. And I think my ending, my resolution to is this whole thing is, I think it's a bad movie and I really like it. Like, I think objectively it's a bad movie. There are things about it that are just badly done, but I like it anyway. And I think that it's extremely valuable and an extremely good time for a lot of people who watch it. But what do you think, Will? You just watched it. So you're you're coming in fresh. Yeah, um 
Well, to your earlier point, I don't, I don't want to say that Lana had to make it. Like, I think she could have easily just been like, whatever, you guys do your reboot, your like Morpheus origin story, whatever they wanted to do, or like Agent Smith origin story or something like you can do that without me if you want. But I think she felt compelled for a number of reasons to be like, I want to take ownership back. That's what I mean. That's why I think she felt like she had to in order to sort of, you know, just saying. Well, I mean, like, like. I just want to say, like, like legally or like contractually, I don't think she had. Oh, right, to do yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go that far. <laughs> Emotionally, sure. I think she felt like she had to. Um, but uh, T, what you're saying, um, like I said, I'm still fairly fresh on the film, so I mean, maybe I mean you've you've had more uh, time to think this over and have a more of a concise opinion. I'm kind of going off of the heart here. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bad film i would say it's messy i think deliberately so i think it's pretty clear that um the wachowski sisters have used the sequels as you said before as an opportunity to kind of just do what they want like obviously they've moved away from the conciseness and the economical uh storytelling of the original film in order to just kind of follow their instincts and kind of just see what they can get away with and certainly i think this is probably the biggest example of that but um yeah i mean i think it's a, it's a type of film where I, I kind of I feel like my opinion of it sort of changes on like a scene by scene basis, like some scenes of like, OK, I don't know if I quite get this. OK, I don't know if this is working and then they'll do something. I'm just like, man, this is amazing. Like, I'm so happy to see a movie like do this or like be this forthcoming or like kind of just test the boundaries and push the, themselves. And I think it's certainly an uneven film. And I think it uh, doesn't always hit its targets, but I'm very thankful that. Lana Wachowski was able to make this movie and it, it was I would I would rather see more movies like this than more movies like Spider-Man No Way Home where it just feels like they're very corporate and like the producers like well, we have to do this we have to put these people in we have to do this or like any other number of films that have come out in the wake of Force Awakens like this is much more personal this is much more uh true to the heart I think of the franchise and I, I think even when it doesn't always work, I'm very thankful that it exists. And I think it has a lot of things going for it. And I ultimately had a good time watching it overall. Yeah, I think we agree by and large on this one, which I I really wasn't sure. <laughs> well, I, you know, I wasn't sure how to predict how this conversation was going to go. But yeah, I got to say, I, I've seen the movie twice now. And the second time I watched it, it was with, you know, with family, right? And I, I, I avoided talking about specific stuff. We're not going to talk about anything specific until we're going to kind of get our broad general statements out of the way. And then we'll open it up and we'll warn you before we talk about stuff that happens later in the movie. But I think like the second time, it's like once I had this movie a little bit more figured out of like, OK, here is here is like what this thing really is. Here is what Lana clearly is trying to say and trying to do with these characters, why she's brought them back, why she's doing this, this and that. Uh, it was much easier for me to sort of like settle in and kind of relax with the movie's like offbeat wavelength because it really is a weird wavelength. I totally agree that scene to scene, like my emotion, my reaction, my, you know, my, and not like uh, my evaluation of like this movie's quality was constantly shifting because I think one thing this movie does not get super tight is the action. And I'm not expecting a movie, this movie, to be as innovative and revolutionary, pun intended, uh, as those Matrix movies, you know, the first ones. I, I actually kind of like that this movie is sort of anti that. You know what I mean? Like, I like that it's sort of being like, ah, we're not going to do that again. We're, yeah, we have a little bit of bullet time. That's fine. But it, they're not really like focusing and or hyping up the stunts and the action choreography. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, New movie, new rules. Let's do something a little bit different, and I'm I'm open to that. But the the problem is that the movie kind of tries to do both, and I think that's where for me I'm like, oh, can you just kind of commit? Like that's where the the scenes were kind of losing me when it was the scenes that were like really like this is what Lana wants to do. I was all in, but then in those scenes where it's like, nah, you know, it, you can kind of tell the studios coming in here and you're like, well, we got to have, you know, we got to have this character from the second matrix movie show up and just start shouting at the screen randomly. Like it was stuff like that. Oh, where I was like, oh my gosh. That scene is so funny to me. <laughs> you thought it was funny. Yeah. You just, where he's just like, sequel reboot. Okay. Yeah. The dialogue. Yeah. Some of that dialogue was, uh, I'll give you that. But uh, in terms of just like the whole 
Well, he the just sat up there. It was just kind of like, oh my gosh. I mean, that actor, I, he was also in bed. That uh, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's having uh, quite a year, I think, between at least those, between those two films. So. You could call this the the Matrix resurgence. Is uh, that is that what we sure. can, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think generally I agree with you because I I feel like I want to know like the oral history of this movie. Like I kind of want to know like. I, I have my assumptions, like what Lana is bringing to it, and I have my assumptions for what Warner Brothers wants out of this movie. And generally speaking, I think uh, Warner Brothers just let Lana do what she wanted to do for the most part. And I think it's to the film's benefit that that's the case. Uh, it doesn't feel like as like if Disney was involved with this, like they would have just been like, no, we're just like kind of just going to do like yeah. the first movie over again. Ron Howard, can you direct this for us, please? Sure. Somebody like that. I mean, but like. With this movie, it feels like they're kind of trying to do it both ways. Just like, all right, we'll let you do this. We'll let you kind of do your meta stuff. But can you like, can you do like the thing from the first movie again? And can you yeah. do that thing? Hey, 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 can you just, we just want to hear him say the, the Kung Fu line. Can we do right. that? Oh, do, do I have to? And they're like, we'll give you $30,000 if you but put like, that anywhere in the movie. Okay. Right. But like, like as far as like morpheus in this movie who is played not by lawrence fishburne this time around but um i do you know how exactly yeah mateen the second yeah, we, we last saw him yeah. in uh candy man yeah. aquaman yeah and it's usually it's, movies that have man in the title so this was I a little he, jarring yeah i mean it's, it's hard to live up to lawrence fishburne's performance i think honestly lawrence fishburne probably should have gotten an oscar nomination for the first hey, movie no um, argument from me yeah agree and also was searching for bobby fisher that's another conversation sure. i mean yeah i mean we're not talking about the career of lawrence fishburne here did you want to give him one for uh <laughs> we uh, should we, can, we probably should but, boys yeah. in the hood too do you want to give him well, one for that as well let's do it but look yeah, yeah. yaya abdul mateen the second i think that like the character is written in such a way where it's like that's something I really liked about the movie, where it's like he knows it. Like well, he even I mean, jokes yeah, like, about it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I'm wondering because it's like I, I mean, like I don't know for sure, but I get the assumption that like Lana's like I don't really want to like bring Morpheus back into this. Like I, I don't really have a place for him, but it just kind of feels like well, if we're gonna do Morpheus, like let's have him like just not really be Morpheus. Like like he's not like like his performance isn't radically different, but it feels like it's he's not like just entirely mimicking Lawrence Fisher and when he does he's like self-aware about it and like even to the point where the dialogue is just like hey that's what you expect me to say right or like when he comes out to meet Neo he's like literally coming out of the of like the toilet or so you know it's just like like obviously like very like kind of absurd touches like that that like I, I feel like this movie in ways I kind of admire is like kind of like this yin and yang between what Lana wants to do, which is obviously, like I said before, it's more personal, kind of more introspective movie. And what Warner Brothers wants is just kind of more kind of like, hey, that thing that happened 20 years ago, let's do that again. And for me, I think the movie is at its best when it's Lana's movie uh, and when we can kind of get more quiet, tender moments and stuff that I feel like resonates with her very personally and i feel like i kind of check out when it's like hey we're doing the kung fu scene again or hey we're doing like you know like the the mirror stuff again like i, I mean like some of that's cool but like it's just like i when it's me trying to remember stuff in the original film i, I feel like i'm less interested in when it's doing something self-aware like something that feels like very autobiographical i i felt very in tune with it uh as far as like what's saying and also what it means for lana as a filmmaker and artist so I think we're, we're edging ever closer to talking about stuff that we, we probably don't want to get into too detailed. So let's just, let's just open it up from here. We're going to talk about what the movie is about. We're going to get into the premise. We're going to get in all that stuff. So if you don't want to know anything, you know, we, we, might talk, we might talk about some stuff that happens toward the end too. We'll kind of like gradually work our way there. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, that's your warning that uh, we might, we might spoil some stuff that happens in the movie for you. But I think, yeah, we, we kind of agree here that it's uh, definitely, I agree, it's a messy movie. But there, man, there's a lot of stuff to like here. I think this is just like one of the best case scenarios. You know, everybody, I don't want to say it's the best case scenario for this kind of sequel, but I think it's among them. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, yeah, it could have been better. But I think that like for what we got, I'm pretty appreciative that it's this instead of something else, if that makes sense. So I guess we should say what this movie is about because we haven't. Um, well, so movie, yeah. 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 Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, like, how far do you want to go into it? How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go, man? <laughs> well, I was just going to mention, like, what is the driving, you know, narrative of the plot, right? 
And really what it comes down to is we open up this movie with Jessica Henwick, who is our new kind of, uh, she's like a hybrid sort of character. She's got a little bit of Trinity. She's got a little bit of Morpheus, like she's the captain, but she's got kind of got that like attitude more of like, more like Niobe, actually, not really Trinity, yeah. right? Um, sure. She's kind of just like headstrong and all that. Some mouse. <laughs> she's she's convinced that uh she's convinced that she's seen neo in you know the matrix and we, we find out she's like the captain of the nemo scene and she finds this like modal program that was created by somebody who was probably neo confirming her suspicions and during that she comes across an agent who actually is like a reincarnation essentially like a virtual reincarnation of morpheus created by neo apparently subconsciously um, because we find out after that that thomas anderson is a video game designer of the hit video game series the matrix which came out in the late 90s and this is a new version of the matrix you can kind of catch that early on although there, there's a moment i think early in this movie where you can kind of just be like strung along and be like oh is this is this saying that the matrix movies didn't happen that we're kind of just like sure. you know we're doing the new nightmare thing for like fully mm -hmm. where it's just like oh yeah like the uh, neo and trinity and all that stuff is just like made up and we're, we're watching a movie that exists with that as the premise uh, did you have that inkling at all or were you just kind of like all right when's the matrix gonna happen um well i mean i've seen the trailer and stuff so i know you hadn't probably beforehand so i was you know just expecting that to come at some point but i think those scenes are some of my favorite in the film uh Agreed. Just for, yeah i mean just i love like the beginning of this movie the humor of it just the like uh, i mean i wasn't crazy about his like assistant dude guy i don't know oh that. yeah that guy is uh he he's been in a bunch of like dude bro movies um yeah, he? Uh, yeah i'm trying to remember his name andrew caldwell i guess i mean he's in it not enough for it to be like an issue but like i just wasn't i don't know it, it i don't know if it was a performance or the way his character yeah. was written it didn't really work for me but he's going around else. being like it's lit right basically yeah but i kind of like that like uh, I was going to mention with Jessica Henwick's character as well, like there's a sort of sense that because it is the Matrix, there's like this extra meta element that like they're almost like algorithms, like they're just like in like this world almost they're like, kind of like what Warner Brothers wants, um, you know, like the new Matrix characters to be and all this stuff. And there's like the sense of like they are kind of an alchemation of different things, but they are also their own little things at the same time. And I think at its best, this movie is like what, that space jam sequel wanted to be but yep. wasn't because <laughs> like it's it's weird that like it, it would be a wild trip to watch this movie and space jam a new legacy like back to back especially since they both came out this year and especially since both movies have uh scenes where they recreate the opening of the matrix um <laughs> so um yeah it's just like this weird uh yeah i i know i just say a lot of the things that like in other movies probably would have bugged me. I, I, I really appreciate it because it felt a piece with what the matrix is and also just felt like Lana Wachowski was having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I think that the biggest weakness of this movie kind of goes back to what you were already sort of hinting at, which is as soon as we go to the real world, as soon as we go to the new version of Zion, I think this movie loses so much steam. You know, we, we have to do this like run around rigmarole of like, all right, Neo, you know, we find out it's been 60 years he goes to, you know, Niobe. She's still alive for some reason. And she's like the leader of this new place called IO. Very subtle. And sure. I don't know, like all that stuff. It's... I'm just like, please, for the love of the architect, can we get back to the Matrix? Because like well, this is just thing. not doing it for me. Right. Because it's like it's like the inverse then of the original. Because it's like, I mean, the beginning of the Matrix is cool. But like once we actually get into like the real world, that's like where the movie really like comes to life. Oh, yeah. And this movie, it's sort of like the opposite where it's like. I'm really digging with the movie up to the point where we end up going into the Matrix or the real world, I mean. And I, uh, well, I think that's because, though, in that first movie, those scenes where you go to the real world, you're learning stuff. You're right. in, you're immersing in the world. What do we really learn or get out of the whole I.O. stuff? All we learn is like, oh, yeah, programs can like manifest themselves, which we already learned before we get to I.O. And we kind of learned that some of the machines are on the sides of humans. Like that's all we really get. And that like that's stuff that like again, I think I think even the machine part that was also revealed on the ship, the Nemo scene, actually. So like, yeah, like what do we get out of the I.O. scenes? Like nothing like you could have just I don't know, you could you literally could have just like had other ships coming along and just do the whole movie outside of that place because it just ah, it's just so pointless. 
Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's pointless, but it doesn't feel quite as fleshed out, I think, as some of the stuff that is introduced earlier in the film. Well, that's the thing. I, I think, and again, it's it's my big the biggest flaw that I see in the, the sequels. It's like one of the things that that first Matrix really like stresses is like how awful it is to live in the real world. It's sort of like. You know, first of all, it makes sense out of like why Cypher would betray everybody. It makes sense out of like how scrappy these people are, how close they are to everything failing. And I think those stakes just you lose that when you make Zion and Io in these places kind of just idyllic to an extent. You know, it, it, it seems like a pretty comfortable, yeah, just like hang out here. And the movie never really gets to that whole, like, why are they doing this? Like, why do, why do they feel like they need to free people from the Matrix? What is it about that control? Like, I don't know, this movie could have used a Matrix re-examination of, you know, that whole thing. If there is a truce going on, you know, we really need a better idea of, like, why it's important to the characters to, like, free people's minds. And obviously, like, we can intuit it ourselves from the other movies, but I don't know. I, I'm watching this version of the Matrix, and, like, I get it for Neo and trinity because they love each other and want to be together but i don't know that's not really like a good enough reason i think to bring everybody else into it i don't know yeah i mean i guess i don't really disagree i just i i think ultimately i'm just so kind of like caught up in the bigness of it that like i just i don't uh i don't know i guess i'm still processing how i feel about like that middle section but you know kind of similar to um to revolutions like i i feel like the stuff i like the most i think about is towards the beginning and like the like third act of the film the middle section where we're just in the the real world and just kind of getting caught up with neo again uh it doesn't stick with me as much but at the same time there are a lot of individual scenes especially like there's one with uh jessica henwick and keanu reeves we're just kind of having a heart to heart that i think is one of my favorite scenes in the movie and it, it has that like kind of meta aspect to it but i think it's it it, it uh, shows the sincerity that uh, Lana Wachowski brings to this this film and like what she's saying on a more intimate and personal level that I think is uh, really fascinating and makes it more meaningful, certainly, than your typical kind of cash grab effort. I think uh, Jessica Hentwick is fantastic in this, just wonderful. Uh, I think that she's such a great new character to kind of come in here. I really like the whole crew of the Nemo scene. I think they all kind of, they don't get a lot to do, but I think that they all stand out in their own ways. And I enjoyed that, that entire ship. I thought it was kind of funny too. I had this thought, uh, after watching it the first time, I was like, Oh, you know, like I could easily see like what Warner brothers probably had more in mind for this kind of movie. I bet you that what they wanted would probably be a movie that was starring mainly Jessica Henwick and this crew searching for Neo, you know, kind of the force awakens thing. It was like Luke Skywalker has vanished. You know what I mean? And then like have the big thing at the very end be like, oh, she sees like Neo on the building. What? And then boom, we get the next movie. Keanu Reeves is going to be back. You know what I mean? I think that's what they probably had in mind. But instead, they're like, nah, let's not do that. <laughs> like, let's not just like recreate the first movie. Like you were saying, that's basically what that would be is like, let's just recreate the first Matrix. Uh, instead, it's like, actually, no, let's subvert the entire franchise to date. And I think when the movie is doing that, it's, it's, it's easily at its best. I really like as soon as uh, like, you know, regarding the middle section, as soon as Neil Patrick Harris really comes in as a character here, and we find out that he's like the new version of the architect. He's called the analyst. I really, really love that scene where he just like very well done and entertaining exposition delivered by him. Uh, really experimental, like camera stuff too. like really getting across the idea of like time. And I, I love I love that whole thing. It's not his introduction scene, obviously, but like right. his villain speech, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, to your earlier point, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I thought the Warner Brothers plan was just to make a Morpheus movie because I remember hearing about that. I think around I know, the same I bet time, they had, or they probably like, had a list of ideas. They probably had all kinds of. Well, I thought that's like the reason why like Young Morpheus is in this film because it felt like kind of like a compromise. Cause I think Michael B. Jordan was circling the part before, and then I think uh, the vibe I got was that Lana Wachowski was just kind of like. I don't really like they kept like asking her to be like, hey, could you do another Matrix thing? He's like, I don't know. I don't really know what I want to say with that. And they're just like, well, we're just going to kind of cut the chase. We're going to make a new Matrix movie where we got this like young Morpheus thing we got coming up. You're either with us or you're not. It's like, all right, I'll do it. And then I think she I think what I'm getting is that like she kind of included that because they were going to do it already. But like 
I think that's the reason why Morpheus just kind of disappears uh, in the second half of the film because, like, I feel like she kind of is like, all right, I did everything I want to do with Morpheus. Uh, you know, that's it. Um, but he, he does have a big role in the third act. I mean, oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess he does kind of appear in the third act. Um, no, no, I don't disagree. I just think that yeah. I, I really think that Warner Brothers had, I think, when Force Awakens came out, right. this movie, I think that they had a reaction and plan for that. Right. I yeah, think they I mean, wanted to do what... something along the same lines. And well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think not only that, but just like I think every Hollywood studio after like the Marvel Cinematic Universe became a thing, it was just like they were just like, what do we got? Like, what what eggs yeah, are in yeah, our yeah. basket? Like, let's spin Matrix. off and spin Matrix. off and spin off. We gotta do yeah. yeah let's, we gotta do something with the Matrix. Like, and I heard like I think in an interview, Lana Wachowski was just like they kept asking like every year. Like, hey, can we yeah. do something with the Matrix again? Like, I don't know. It's like, I'd rather just do Speed Race. Like, okay, well, yeah, you can do Speed Race. You actually, but like, yeah, you're open to like another Matrix movie. So, but yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, maybe. Um, but it just felt like, yeah. So that's like uh, the vibe I just got at least. But um, yeah, I was trying to remember. Oh, but Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah well, so. I'll say real quick because you mentioned that. Um, the Wachowski sisters, they intended for the story to just be done movie wise. Right. The Matrix Online was supposed to continue the story of the Matrix, but mm -hmm. they famously said, it's like, we want video games to finish that out for us. Mm -hmm. And that MMO was supposed to do that. In fact, like in Matrix Online, you even like, it, like Morpheus dies and like they, they do all this story stuff with that. But that game, it lasted a few years and it was gone, you know? So like, yeah, I think their intention was just like to leave it and like let other types of creators and mm -hmm. artists handle it for them. I mean, they, I, I, we have to mention too, like sense eight was like one of their last big successful things. Yes. And like, we have a lot of that cast in this, in mm -hmm. this movie, which is cool to see. So just saying, I think that, yeah, yeah. they, they changed their mind a bit on a few things. Yeah. But, um, because you brought up uh, Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, I was, uh, after I saw the film, my first, uh, joke text to you is just like this Christmas, Neil Patrick Harris is Ben Shapiro. And like, I feel like that's kind of, <laughs> you want, you want fear and control. Well, you know, right. what you don't understand about fear okay. and control is that you, you want it. And well, you, you, know, <laughs> you see Neil facts don't care about your feelings. Um, <laughs> uh yeah so i mean i it's obviously more than that but i feel like that's kind of uh i i wouldn't be shocked because there is like a literal line where he like says basically facts don't care about your feelings so i'm kind of like i have to assume it, that was like a big inspiration for this character <laughs> it doesn't like, surprise like, me that like yeah. my matrix they might they like my matrix better so what are you what are you gonna do like put rainbows all over you gonna identify as rainbows mm -hmm. sure but yeah like, but i mean yeah, I, I, you totally are. <laughs> right it doesn't surprise me that Ben Shapiro, I think he tweeted something like, oh, Matrix, big disappointment. Just kind of funny that like he was just like, oh, Jesus, I wonder what disappointed you about this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it um, kind of, can we get even more meta and say, you know, like he's probably just like the analyst is like the hero of the movie. And that would be kind of meta considering well, Neil Patrick Harris. I'm just saying, yeah, in, analytically, uh, if, you, if you think about it, the architect actually does make a lot of good points. Uh, <laughs> Well, that reminds me, though, like how I met your mother, uh, his character in that Barney played by Neil Patrick Harris was always saying like the villain in Cobra Kai or in a Karate Kid was right. like the good guy. Right. Yeah. And now we have Cobra Kai. And it's, I'm just saying it's all full circle. Sure. There you go. We are living in the Matrix. That is true. Um, but it's all algorithms and code. We have all algorithms <laughs> where it's all ones and zeros. Um computer code uh but yeah no I, I actually i thought uh neil patrick harris is probably one of my biggest surprises for this film like i really, i mean he's a good really actor well yeah yeah but he's a good actor obviously but like i just you know i, I kind of thought he was going to have like a fairly thankless role in this film uh but then like you know like i, I was kind of like you see him sitting down a lot in the trailers kind of like are they gonna do like an architect thing with him like it, the thought crossed my mind but i was like yeah probably not but then like once you like because I thought they were going to do more with Jonathan Groth as like Agent Smith, like 2.0. Like I thought that was going to, you know, kind of be like the like core villainy of the film, which it is for a decent chunk of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was an interesting idea. I think those are some of the things I, I'm most intrigued by as far as like what Lana is doing. And also like obviously like I, I think what I find most rewarding about the film is when she can come back to this franchise with more perspective and kind of take ownership back and kind of be like, no, like screw you guys for like trying to co-op this very like personal meaningful thing for me it's i'm gonna take it back you know i'm taking the toys back uh out of the play yard from you guys and you know i think that's like the most rewarding stuff and i think that's why the ending is so impactful for uh for what it's doing but um yeah i mean you know i, I don't know what else uh, you brought up about neil patrick harris so i don't want to trip over that just that whole scene it's great and yeah. i i think that uh it's it's indicative of how thoughtful 
I think Lana wasn't her approach to this. You know, she she also um, she co-wrote it, by the way, with uh, two of her sensei collaborators, uh, David Mitchell and Alexander, Alexander Hemmen. And I think with Neil Patrick Harris in particular, like the the way that he's brought to life in here, he's just first of all extremely entertaining he's very hyperactive he's very like you know he's devious but he's kind of in a he's a surprising kind of villain you know like mm-hmm. the way that he's villainous is like so different from the other movies and i think like it needs to be right because like if you look at the architect from reloaded i think that character works because the idea of like somebody just being so monotone and so matter of fact to neo's face about like yeah you're not special and you never have been and nothing matters and everything you want is useless like it's that's perfect for that kind of character no people kind of criticize like he's so boring but no it's like it's part of the movie it's kind of part of like the message of like yeah of course he is he's this architect who just sort of like yeah plainly delivering this horrific dialogue why would he be charismatic like he's he's the architect like he's hiding in a room with a bunch of tvs he's not like george clooney like what are they expecting actually i like the architect i don't know i think that's one of the reasons why i like reloaded but yeah Like I said, I think that it works for that movie. Now, when you have Neil Patrick Harris in this, you're not going to do that again because like what's what's it? It's also the same kind of thing where they get rid of agents in this, right? Like we get some agents in the beginning, you know, because it's like recreating the first movie. But now it's sort of like more adapted to today's times where it's like anybody could be like an agent. You can't trust anybody. And I think that that's a very pointed, you know, you know uh, topic, uh, very relevant, very timely and all that stuff. So, I, I, yeah, I just think that like, those little touches, like this version of The Matrix, it does feel interesting to me. It does feel like complicated. Like I, I still have like my criticisms in terms of like, is that a good enough, you know, is there a good enough motivation for them to want to be free besides Matrix or sorry, besides uh, neo and trinity wanting to fall in love again i don't know i mean i care about those two kids and i want them to to have what's best but yeah i wouldn't say that um, it really was enough to drive like the entire movie for me i think the uh, it needed a few other like uh extra touches to like for me to fully love it which i don't think it does yeah i mean as far as the agent smith thing actually i thought that was kind of one of the uh more clever inspired things here is just because like you know obviously like like a virus or like any like computer thing is going to evolve over time so it makes sense that like 20 years down the line it's going to be way more advanced than it was uh in like the early 2000s or uh sorry late 90s early 2000s um but yeah i mean i think my broad i guess general feelings are, are just that like i even if I don't think everything really comes together or works, I just admire Lana for just like kind of throwing everything that she can. I think even though this movie is setting up to be uh, like a new trilogy, it, it kind of feels like she knows that this is not going to probably get another sequel or two. I think, the, you know, kind of the same vibe as like um, like the sequels, the previous sequels, where it's just like, yeah, yeah we're yeah. just going to kind of do our thing. Go for broke. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Which I, I would much rather see that than like someone that's, that's something that's just trying to appeal to any general audience and just be like, Hey, remember this, remember this, even though there is doing stuff like that, it's doing that more thoughtfully or a little bit more, uh, astutely, but, um, yeah. 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 I I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I, I think that if this franchise is going to continue, I think that, uh, the matrix awakens that unreal engine five thing would be really cool. If like they could make just like a fully realized, like open world video game that, is more true to like not an MMO because I just don't think that's that's going to be great. But you know, just something where people can explore this world, you know, this this series in just like a different format. I think that's what the Wachowski sisters always kind of wanted. I mean, I think the the cinematic blockbuster, like the money, just isn't there for you'd have to make another of the first Matrix that like gets people so curious that they have to see it opening day. And I just don't think you can do that with the matrix movie anymore. You know, I think it's yeah. we, we can kind of see that playing out um, with this movie's box office. So. Sure. That's where I mean, I stand. yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the curse and the charm of the previous sequels is that like mm-hmm. they everything that it's kind of clear that like their aspirations kind of exceed what they can do in terms of technology and special effects. Like, I think there is a charm, at least certainly to uh, reloaded how like kind of there's like the rubbery effects. And I don't even really mind that because it, it kind of fits because like they're in the matrix yeah. and it's like it's a computer world that's right fine. exactly yeah <laughs> I, I feel like it, i mean i'm not trying to like forgive kind of wonky special effects but I, it just doesn't really bug me as much as it bothers uh, bothers other people um yes yeah, but yeah i mean yeah, at least for me but um yeah i mean i i, I don't know where i'd 
rank this one compared to the sequels i mean obviously i don't think this one matches the original but uh i mean if, if i think about it more i think i admire it more because of what it's able to pull off and what it's able to do but i agree i, I don't know if it's going to be quite as rewatchable as the um previous the matrix, matrix rewatchable movies. there you go that's another one uh that could also be a uh matrix rewind or whatever um the matrix rewinded rewound yeah rewind rewound yeah um resweeted yeah there you go um but yeah yeah i just i have two other two last criticisms i said a lot of nice things so i'm just gonna say two last criticisms because i wanna um agent smith that didn't work for me in this i I just the character is fine but the casting Jonathan Groff. I know. I get it. It's, I like it's supposed Groff. to be. I, right. I like Jonathan Groff, too. But I know you Mine met him. You know, you, you know, you guys uh, kinda, had your yeah. whole Mindhunter experience where you just kind of hung out and you're his co-star, his, his partner in crime. Yeah. I mean, I think even more so than like Lawrence Fishburne, like Hugo Weaving, it's just really hard to top that performance. And I think yeah. that's the that's performance that people like mimic the most, I guess, maybe with the exception of Neo. But like I, I it it's I, I still think that performance is pretty underrated as far as like what Hugo Weaving is able to do by being so reserved but also just truly menacing and like you know it's just a really, really tough performance I I still think doesn't really get enough credit and I agree like I don't think Jonathan Groth is like trying to do the same thing, but it doesn't become quite as memorable as what Hugo Weaving does in those original three films. Right. I and I, I think that it's great to to cast somebody who's a bit more against type and to do stuff with that concept but yeah it's just uh, it just doesn't quite work for me i think i think mateen the second is more successful at it because i think that he is capturing like a version of morpheus like replicating an idea of morpheus so it's that to me is kind of fun yeah. and it's not me and i think that his role in the film fits that but in this movie it's like just this kind of like swarmy like i don't know to me agent smith was different i had a different reading well, of that character yeah i mean i think uh Yahim is it Yahim? Uh am I pronouncing that right? Um Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen the second. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was combining his first and his last name. I apologize. But um He's not in a relationship with himself. You can't give him a celebrity sure. couple's name. Um but yeah, I mean I think he has a little bit more room to uh kind of play it up a little bit compared to Jonathan Groth, who is like kind of like stuck in a standstill between right. like honoring Hugo Weaving's performance, but also kind of like somewhat trying to do something different but not really because there's not there's not a whole lot you can really do with agent smith's character unless you really want to get like real weird with it which i mean the movie does get real weird with a lot of stuff but i think they're kind of keeping agent smith to be agent smith in this so uh yeah i mean i I think ultimately you know it's 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 like two factors like i don't i don't think he brings a whole lot to it that wasn't already there but also like i don't think he has enough wiggle room to really do a whole lot different with it narratively or like in terms like what is uh envision for the character see if if lana handed me the scripts back in 2020 and was like john you get to change one thing here you go i I made that promise to you back in vegas what i would do is i would change the the uh the gender of agent smith and have and cast a female actor that'd be uh, interesting to play to play this version of agent smith i think that would be interesting i think that that would have that sort of like I don't know. I could get into it, but I won't. Uh, my other big criticism is I just think that this movie, it doesn't look anywhere near as good as the originals because a, it's not shot on film. Well, apparently yeah, and, so. yeah. And they uh, keep cutting to the original movies and they keep showing me a better looking movie. And I'm just like, I want that. Like it's so much crisper and sharper. Every time they show one of the old movies, like, and it happens throughout, I'm just like, I want that. Like, and like, maybe it is shot on film. I don't even know, but like, it doesn't look it. It doesn't, it looks like very digital. And I think even though those original movies aren't shot digitally, even though they're like a simulation, I think that does kind of help sell the idea that this is, you know, the matrix feels real. If you make it too digital, if you make it too much with the rubbery special effects, like, yeah, you get these like crazy, awesome action fights, but it does kind of like lose a bit of its immersion too. I think, I think there is something about that original movie where the discernment between the real world and the matrix is much, much thinner line here. There's no line whatsoever. It's just like, everything kind of look, looks the same for the most part, just kind of like a glossy CW sort of approach that I just, ah, I didn't like, it. but you know, it's an aesthetic thing more than anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's hard to top Bill Pope's perform or work in the movie uh, for the original three movies. Um, it's just, you know, his 
his cinematography is so tied to the iconography of the original film that you know if you don't bring him back it's just kind of hard to replicate that uh i'm not quite as critical on the cinematography here i agree it doesn't look quite as sharp but i think it's not trying to look the same as those three movies so i don't really Coley against it as hard there's like i think there are two cinematographers on this film right there was yeah yeah uh, uh john toll and uh danielle Masakasi. right um i'm trying and to see I, if, yeah i wouldn't say the cinematography is bad like i wouldn't say that it's objectively like in any other movie i'd be fine with it i think it's just that it keeps getting juxtaposed to the other films and that's what's bugging me it's just like i keep being reminded of a movie with better cinematography and i don't think this movie is really like of at the same level yeah because like jonathan uh, john toll is like a well-renowned uh cinematographer you know he he shot uh to oscar win legends of the fall which is a gorgeous movie absolutely uh, and worked on sense eight which i think is where okay yeah where he first got in touch with the wachowskis i know did yeah. the pilot for breaking bad i mean yeah gentles yeah. you know i know he's worked with one of your favorite uh directors mr terrence, terrence Malick. Malick. yeah he did the yeah. red line um i think didn't he also do tropic thunder <laughs> uh Tro- yeah he did yeah <laughs> yeah he did he did uh, i think he did jupiter ascending too that was the other wachowski uh uh yeah Cloud Atlas, yeah. uh, Jupiter Ascending. Um, I forgot to mention David Mitchell, also the author of um, Cloud Atlas. Yes. He's a screenwriter here. Um, and also, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he even worked He worked with uh, Co- the cinematographer. I think he worked with uh, Coppola, too, on uh, uh, Jack. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I just heard a lot about people complaining about the cinematography, and I can kind of get it, but I also just think it looks nice. Like, it, I don't think it looks bad. I just think it's hard to top such iconic work from bill pope in those original three movies but i agree that like it kind of it undermines itself by constantly flipping back to that the, the original three movies because i constantly just like man what good looking movies those were like sure. they just look good yeah i i just looked it up and he even did Cal- cloud atlas as well co did the cinematography for that with frank grieve so yeah that's what i thought i said yeah but yeah did yeah. you say cloud atlas yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i thought so but okay yeah but yeah that is true that is the case so yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that it bugged me. It actually, it didn't bug me as much the second time. I will, I will say that. Um, but I think, I think that'll about do it for Matrix Resurrections. I think it's pretty clear where we stand. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'll just say real quick. It was really nice to see Carrie Ann Moss again. I don't think I've oh, seen yeah. her in a, in a movie sure. in a while. Um, so it just was nice to see her. She was uh, in uh, Jessica Jones. Okay, I haven't Good watched Jessica in Jones. Show. But um, yeah, I don't. But she hasn't really. Has she been in a movie in a while? Last movie I remember seeing her in was probably Disturbia. Yeah, and th- was oh, she Shia's mom in that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because she got, got, got yeah, cause she got regulated to like kind of playing moms a lot, which you know, kind of. Uh, yeah, this movie has some fun. Hollywood. This movie has some fun meta jokes, you know, about that, and also, yeah. uh, you know, the whole Chad Stahelski, the yeah. stunt double for Neo being or for Keanu Reeves, a literal being Chad. her husband in this, being yeah. a literal Chad because he is. Yeah. He, I, Chad Stahelski is a Chad. We mm-hmm. got to say it out loud. And yeah. It's true. Um. There's, I, I, I don't know if I, you might want to cut this out, but like, I kind of felt a little weird about one thing, uh, and I wasn't sure how you felt about this, but like, oh, I think I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think some of the most meaningful stuff in the movie is when it addresses like kind of Neo's depression and his like kind of suicidal ideolation in the movie. And, and I think those scenes are really impactful, but I thought it was kind of weird that like one set piece has like a bunch of characters like jumping to their death on, on top of like Neo on the street. Yeah. And I, I thought that was same, kind of weird. Yeah. I, I think it was easier for me to balance it in context the second time, because I think there is a pretty clear like relationship between that being a bad thing. And I think, I think part of the reason Lana probably put it in there is because like the like you said like him jumping off and and doing all of that stuff was a yeah. big factor well, and it's like i think the movie's trying to stress that it's a complicated sort of like also you know yeah yeah i mean the people jumping off aren't real people <laughs> so i mean like they're, they're like yeah right they're bots so i mean it's not like literal like suicide and also like they're being controlled but just the the image of a bunch of people like jumping off of buildings like in a like kind of like uh um yeah, lighthearted fashion watch. That's really yeah, hard. Right. Following several like an hour or so earlier where we like have Neo like contemplating suicide just was a kind of weird contradiction. I just I don't know. I, do, I, do I don't think know it's, if I. Yeah, it's good, though. I don't think it plays it for laughs. 
like i think some people were laughing in oh the sorry theater, though. okay i didn't mean like lighthearted as far as like comic wise but like lighthearted because like a like a upbeat kind of action scene where it's like a lot of like Adri- it's sure, not like, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's not like meant to be like serious. It's not when that's slapstick, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, but I I totally hear you. I think that yeah, that's that's a tricky, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. I suppose. Um, I, I yeah, I, I also I don't fully know where I stand on it as well. I I think it's a very interesting movie moment that is a bit complex and worth worth further. You know, it was pondering. one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where just like. It's not like I'm going to knock the movie for it. It was just kind of like, that was an odd, that was a choice. That, I'll just put it that. That was like kind of a choice. I don't quite know. It, it doesn't sit with me great, but it doesn't like ruin the movie for, mm-hmm. for me. Right. You're about like to that. watch Mad Men for the first time. And I think as we discussed well, that we're announcing show, this. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we don't have to announce anything, but I'm just saying that like, <laughs> and you watch the show there, there is a, an episode in particular about, you know, artists who like put that feeling of suicide, like into a movie kind of by accident and sort of at the same time overtly. And so I, yeah, I'd say get ready. Cause, uh, <laughs> this might not be the last we're talking about something like this. So just saying, um, but okay. Are we ready to play the Rotten Tomatoes game? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the number one game show in America. Sure. <laughs> um, have you seen the Rotten Tomato score yet for the Matrix Resurrections? Um, I think I saw it on Christmas, but I haven't. Like, it was just like real quick. Like, I was looking at something else, and mm-hmm. I think that came up. This is what the I story don't... always is. It's like real quick. Oh, wait, no, like... no, no. Actually, I know why I saw the score. It's because uh, people were making the joke yes. that at one point it was at 69%. That's why I this saw is why I asked, because I was like, okay. oh, yeah, I bet you saw that. Because I was um, I was going around and around, um, but I don't think I don't know if it's still that score or not. Um, I will give you a hit. It is not still that square, mm-hmm. so I will not I will not tempt you with uh, going for that easy one. But uh, yes, so we have two hundred and seventy four reviews counted for the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. So where do you, what do you think it is? One of those one of those scores is from me, and uh, also young folks editor in chief Allie Johnson. She put the film up as well. What do you think, though, Will? What do you, where do you think critics are on this one, percentage-wise? Were you both fresh on the film? We were both fresh. Both fresh? All right. Um, I'm going to say 65%. Spot on. It's almost, Are you looking at it? You no. can just tell me. It's not, it's not deja vu. Nope. Um, very low. Yeah, I think... Um, actually, I'm going to look Still up... Still fresh. The RT is still fresh, not certified fresh, but fresh. I'm going to look up the RT scores for the other Matrix movies. Do you know what those are? Uh, not top of my head. I can guess if you want to play this game. If we want to, if we want to bonus it up. I mean, maybe we got cinema score coming up too. Let's, let's just do it. Um, okay. So I looked at the first Matrix. First Matrix. What do you think? Oh, that's got to be like 93% or something like that. Uh, not too far off. 88%. Oh, okay. I thought uh, that, which is oh, lower than lower I would have. Than, yeah, it's yeah. lower than. I, w- I also sh- would have guessed in the nineties. I'm sure, like, I'm sure some of the early reviews had some crotchety, uh, yeah. old guys who are just like, I don't get computers. What's this all about? <laughs> I think I think Ewart and Siskel liked it, right? Oh yeah, oh, I'm I guess. Sure. Oh, I think Siskel didn't see it, huh? Because I think it came oh, out after he passed. Yeah, it probably. Well, like, yeah, because like one of the last movies he saw was the Truman Show. And that was, was that 98 that up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, did he die in 98? And, and it's 98 or 99. I think 98 though. Um, but yeah, I think matrix came out 99. So yeah, that would have been after his, yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. He, he died in February of two, uh, 1999. So that would have been like, I think just before this movie came out. Got it. Okay. Uh, okay. So then, uh, matrix reloaded. What do you think about that one? Uh, 72%. Close seventy three percent, getting better, okay. getting better, and then we'll finish it. Okay, Matrix Revolution, same year, uh, forty eight percent. Oh boy, thirty five. Okay, oh, man, that's low. That's way lower than I would have guessed. I would have guessed it was in like upper forties, like early fifties, something like that. But yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Um, so that I was wondering too if this was the lowest. Uh, I was expecting Revolutions to be the lowest, but uh, actually, you know what? Let's just look up Animatrix. We're here. We got nothing going on. It's the new year. Uh, Animatrix, which also came out 2003. I mean, that was quite a year for Matrix. Content. I got some stuff coming up, but I, I don't mind playing this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, actually, I got a schedule. I got stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, places to be. Uh, wait, what about Animatrix? 
I mean, you haven't uh, seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm going to say, I don't know, 82%. 89. That's pretty good for okay. Shot in the Dark. 18 reviews counted. I, I should probably put one of my uh, review on there because it's worth the time. Okay, so back to, Matrix, back to Matrix Resurrections. Back Matrix to Returns. the Matrix. Back to the Matrix. Uh, what about audience score? We have a thousand plus verified ratings. Makes sense. This thing's on HBO Max. People are streaming it. Uh, what oh, do you think it is there? People are split. They're gonna. I'm gonna say fifty-two percent. Sixty-three percent. They're not as oh. split as you might suggest. And I'd say like everyone I watched it with dug it. Like nobody was like over the moon for it. You know what I'm talking about? People who I, they don't watch that many movies a year, but they were kind of like, yeah, that's cool. That was good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think the people who are most negative on it are the most outspoken. I think that's sure. fair to say. So I, maybe I'm just seeing a lot. Of, I, I, maybe I'm just seeing a lot of those reactions right now. I just got the latest numbers, the cinema score from our friends in Las Vegas. Oh and, boy! Uh, <laughs> let's see what they have to say about this one. What do you think uh, the cinema score is for Matrix Resurrections? Um, I'm gonna guess it's somewhere. It's going to be a real classic uh, Will Ashton split, I think. It's somewhere between B- and C+, I think. Uh, I'm isn't, gonna the, s- isn't the usual one between a B and B- for you? It's both. Okay. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say C+. B minus. B minus. Super I guess close, wrong, though. but I was super close. close. Yeah, super close. You were in the right zone. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's where that is. And uh, what about the uh, letterbox rating? We recently added in the letterbox rating into our our little game. Um, three point six, three point one, mm. very low. So See, I think a lot say, of people are giving this three yeah. stars. Mm. Not not in my not my friends on letterbox. Most of the people, most of the letterbox reviews that I'm seeing are between three and a half and four and a half. Lots of love for this. Okay, one. yeah, I'm I'm seeing my if I pull up my letterbox uh, friends, it, it's like all over the map. Like there, yeah. a lot of people are like five stars some people are like four and a half some people are like people aren't they're taking blue pills red pills purple pills it's dr seuss up in here yeah. um okay so that's the matrix resurrection some people Thanks. are in uh reading pennsylvania right now that's a that's a real <laughs> niche joke if you if you don't know what that one yeah, is that was, yeah. this is very specific even i barely got that um and you made that joke to me already all right that's matrix resurrections uh that's that's it for 2021 thanks you thank you for listening this past year and uh, we're about yes. to enter our sixth year of Cinemaholics. How about that? Uh, we'll be back wow. soon to talk about Tragedy of Macbeth, hopefully. We're hoping to also discuss Sing 2 and who knows what else. But uh, And don't forget, of course, we're going to be doing our best movies of 2021. That episode is going to come out of the next, uh, probably in like two weeks, if we're planning correctly. And I don't know. Do you know what your your favorite movies of the year are going to be, Will Ashen? How was your progress on that list? I'm I'm forming an early list. It's looking stronger than I thought. Like I, okay. I I was pessimistic the last few months, but now looking back, I'm like there are a lot of movies I like this year. You know, a lot of movies I want to like. Yeah. I, I was like, you know what? That was good. And so strong uh, award I, season too. Yeah. So okay. All right. Well. We will be back next week to talk about all kinds of other new movies. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Go to the show notes if you want to find our email, if you want to say hi to us, if you want to buy some of our merch, or if you you know if you just want to uh, go to our Patreon and help us out in that way. Uh, whatever you want to do, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, for now, though, I'm signing off as John Agroni from the Internet of California. I'm signing off as Will Ashton from the Internet of Pennsylvania. See you next time. <laughs>